0: Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. A real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join our hosts, Phil Dark and Rick Morton. All right, and welcome again to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Rick Morton along with Phil Dark. Excited to come to you today with another interview. Phil, how are you, brother?
1: I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. I uh, I, I always get excited. Uh, you know, as I was even walking into the into the uh, pseudo studio that I get to record from, and just thinking about how much I love doing this. You know, it's just, it's just exciting to not only get to hang out with you, Rick, which in and of itself <laughs> is just, you know, folks out there, if you've never done it, you, you, you have no idea what you're missing. But the other thing that I get excited about is just this content that we get to share with you guys. It's so good. It's I mean Rick and I were even talking beforehand, just right before recording about there's so much in this. It's so rich. I mean, he and I could talk for hours and hours and hours, you know, and I know you guys would love that. But we try to keep it short just because we wanted, you know, you guys to keep wanting something. You know, we gotta keep it coming back, right? Right,
0: Rick? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. You know, we want people to come back, but man, today yeah. we've got a fantastic interview that we're gonna dig into and I can't wait for uh, for the folks to hear it. And so yep. really, really excited. About Arthur C. Woods and and his time with us today. Tell us a little bit about Arthur. Yeah,
1: so Arthur's a speaker, teacher, writer. He created this great DVD series for uh, just really helping young uh, y- young men and women, teens uh, from hard places. And it's something that he's going to talk more about in this interview. And you know what? We just want to get right to it. So, you know, right before we go, I just want to remind you to rate and, and uh, review the podcast. It helps get it out there to others so that others can learn from it as you are. And also just engage the conversation with us. We love hearing from you, not only about what you're thinking about these different interviews, but different people that you want us to interview. And uh, that would be just fantastic. Arthur's actually one of those guys who reached out to me and said, hey, I'd love to uh, talk with you about what God is doing through me. And uh, and that's what we did. So without any more from me and Rick, here's Arthur C. Woods. Well, Arthur, it is so great to get you on the Think Orphan podcast.
2: Yeah, Phil, thank you so much. This is this is cool. I'm really glad to be here.
1: Yeah, it's been something that I I know that we've uh, connected, you know, a few months ago. Uh, You you reached out to me about this uh, great uh, DVD series that you and your wife have put together. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, since then I've been able to listen to your podcast a little bit. I've been able to watch that DVD series, listen to a couple different breakout sessions you've done. And I'm excited for this conversation because one of the things that you're doing is something that a lot of people um, don't talk a lot about. And that's really how we can engage and, and really love and, and mentor and and raise up uh, adopted and foster teens so sure you know tell us tell our audience a little bit about your story and and how you got um, into this how you got into creating resources really to help um, people and and yourself because as we'll, we'll find you you yourself are doing this as well um, to really love teenagers who have come from hard places yeah sure well it it, it I come
2: from kind of a, a social work and youth ministry background uh, I worked at a residential treatment facility for a number of years as a case manager. So that kind of exposed me to the the plight of a lot of different orphan and vulnerable teenagers. Uh, you start reading their, their stories and what they've been through and their family situations, and it's just it's just heartbreaking. Um, and over the time that I worked there, I started kind of developing an affinity for these, these teenagers from hard places. And I left there after a few years and went into full-time uh, church-based student ministry and... Uh, uh, started running into a lot of the same situations there that a lot of times when we think of, of church ministry, we think of, you know, uh, quote-unquote normal kids, whatever that is. <laughs> but I found out that, that a lot of the kids I was dealing with, that we had a, a youth group of about 150 kids, and a lot of them um, really did come from some pretty challenging backgrounds and uh, um, and I found that the affinity that I had developed for the the teenagers at the residential treatment facility was now kind of growing in me for the, the teenagers in my very youth group uh, to say that, you know what, these, these kids from hard places, they they need someone, they need the gospel, and maybe they even need to hear the gospel explained to them in a way that they haven't heard it before.
1: Yeah, no, it, that's that's absolutely the, the case. I mean, I, I personally have you know, three teenagers right now that are my biological children. and You know, a lot of the issues are the same, um, and a lot of the issues are different, you know, and, you know, one of the things that I know I've heard you talking about, and this is something I think is really critical for parents to understand as well as youth pastors and 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 all pastors, quite frankly, um, not to and, and just Christians in general, but the idea of, we hear these two words thrown around a lot, discipleship and mentorship. Yeah. Right. And I just actually yesterday in my class at William Williams University talked with my students about this. What is, you know, as you've talked about, what, what, what do you see as really the differences and the similarities and the, how are they the same and how are they different? Yeah. Uh, discipleship and mentorship.
2: I, I'm glad you asked that because I think I think there is a very big difference. And I think those words get used interchangeably all the time and, and probably incorrectly. Um, when I think of mentorship, I really think of that as a very, very broad term. You can mentor someone in just about anyone anything you can mentor them in in how to write better uh, you can mentor them in how to uh, get better at school and their academics and in some kind of project whatever it is you can really mentor someone in anything when you talk about discipleship that really kind of narrows the focus quite a bit and you're talking about Jesus discipleship is all about Jesus and you're helping someone you're building a relationship with someone exclusively for the purpose of helping them become more like christ and so when i talk about discipleship i'm not talking about uh, a broad category of just mentoring someone i'm talking about i want to engage in a discipleship relationship with someone so that i can help them become a better follower of christ as i'm also becoming a better follower of christ
1: yeah and when as we're talking about you know making that distinction which is critical Um, but why is it important for us to intentionally do both Mm -hmm. as we care for the orphan and vulnerable children, um, that God places in our lives?
2: Yeah, I think that it's so important because if, if our relationship is strictly say discipleship and, and all we do is tell someone about Jesus, that's great. That's important. And we should do that. But we also have the opportunity to mentor people, to help people right where they are, and, and to work with them on their physical needs, their mental, emotional needs, their academic needs, what, whatever the case may be, we have the opportunity to kind of pour into them, to be part of their life, and to help them in whatever it is they need, while at the same time also engaging them in a conversation about who christ is and what the gospel is so i think they go even though they're different i think they go hand in hand and in most cases
1: it's good to have both when you're engaging in a relationship with someone yeah i remember actually this brings me back to the conversation i had a long time ago i think it was like the third episode we did for think it was with peter greer and he talked about how he had you know 10 or 12 different mentors in his life doing different things right you know and, and that, I think, is something that is so critical to understand, like, that mentors, it's not like you're a one-size-fits-all mentor. Like, that typically is something that is kind of reserved for a dad, right? Exactly. In certain yep. times of life, but, or a mom, or, a, you know, someone who's pouring into your life in a particular way. But even then, there's a lot of things that we as dads, you know, aren't going to teach our kids, sure. right? And so there's mentors. And whether you know it or not, you're mentoring people. Um, but as you said, you're not necessarily discipling people, um, unless you're very intentional about that. So, with that being said, you know, as I've said, I've kind of alluded to this. Uh, there, there, there clearly are things in you know, common things that uh, we need to discuss when when discipling adopted and foster teenagers and mentoring them, but that don't often come up with teams teens who don't don't come from hard places. Sure. So. What are some of those things as you've been able to engage that um, that uh, we need to be aware of as we're working with orphan and vulnerable children?
2: Yeah, and and I think the starting place for that would be to, to say that orphan and vulnerable, um, or or really I should say adopted and foster teenagers come from a place of trauma. That would even include the the child who was adopted from day one, uh, maybe uh, moms mom's uh, pregnancy was great they had no problems and they were adopted on uh, day 1 and they grew up in this loving caring safe appropriate family that teenager still has to deal with the the loss of their biological parents and that in and of itself is trauma so even in those those situations where life seems good they're still coming from trauma and that's that's before you even get into these kids who have experienced severe abuse or neglect or abandonment or or whatever, then, then we really get into some serious trauma. So it, it makes a difference how we present the gospel. And so, for example, when we talk about gospel concepts like God is our heavenly father, God's our father, well, depending on their experience with an earthly father, hearing that God is their father is not something that's going to be very interesting mm. to them. It's not something they're going to want to embrace. And as you think through the entire gospel message, in fact, I, when I talk about the gospel, I like to think of it as really the the story of God restoring his creation back to himself. And it's all about Jesus, Jesus being the central figure there. When we think about the gospel, there's so many concepts, concepts like father, concepts like love and trust and family That maybe for some of us are easy to embrace Uh, if someone says to me God loves you I have a pretty easy time embracing that because I was loved pretty well as a child I understand what love is I experienced it well and it was easy for me to embrace God as someone who loves me but if you had a again if you had a poor experience with love or you have a warped understanding of what love is hearing that God loves you is going to be challenging And so we go through all these different words, all these different concepts in the gospel and say to ourselves, how would someone who comes from trauma, specifically a teenager who's wrestling with identity and all these other issues, how would they interpret certain words or concepts like love, like trust, like forever, like control? Uh, Control is a big one. I think of a lot of the kids that, that I've worked with over the years They had very little control of their life in terms of uh, when they were moved from foster home to foster home or when they were moved in and out of an orphanage or whatever it was. They had very little control over that, if any. And then when we come to the gospel and we say, hey, God wants control of your life, they're at a point where they're saying, you know what, I am done giving anyone control of my life. It's my time Mm. to control my own life. So we start looking at the gospel through that kind of trauma-informed lens. We call it trauma-informed discipleship. How do we talk to these teenagers about the gospel in
1: light of their trauma? Yeah, absolutely, and, and especially with teens, how how are you? You talk about trust as one of those things, right? How do we build trust with teens who really have a hard time trusting anyone? Yeah, I think a
2: lot of these a lot of these concepts are are in. In some sense not binary it's not i don't trust mm-hmm. then someone tells me to trust and now i do trust it really does become a journey so when we're thinking about how do we trust um people because let's face it most of these adopted and foster teenagers they've had broken trust at least once right. or twice or three times or a dozen times by someone in their in their life so we try to get them to the point where okay before you can trust people Can you trust God? Can you get to a point where you can trust God? And then when you trust God, can that overflow into your ability to start trusting people? Now the question then becomes, okay, that all sounds good except for the fact that I don't trust God. I hear what you're saying, you know, but I don't trust God, so I don't trust people either. And so I like to ask a question, what would have to be true in order for you to trust God? So you, you talk with your teenager, and actually maybe they even write this down. Maybe they physically write this down. Like what situation would have to happen or what things would 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 have to, would you have to experience in order for you to trust God? And then maybe begin working on that because it's going to take some time. It's not just we don't sure. just tell our teens, hey, trust God, and they do, and everything's great. Th- they're coming from potentially years of trauma and hurt and, and broken trust. So we start slow, and we start easy, and we figure out, how can they begin a journey of trusting God? And then as they learn to trust God over time, can they begin trusting people as well? And, and that's trusting people who are worthy of trust. That's not, you know, let's return to the people who say we're abusive to you and let's learn to trust them. They've obviously shown that they can't be trusted. But as a, as a fundamental system, how do you trust people? Well, I think you try to trust God first and that's going to take some
1: time. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I just—I I don't want, I mean to lighten the subject too much, but what what came to mind as you were talking about that was—you remember the movie What About Bob? You ever oh yeah, baby we're steps. Talking about baby steps, right? Yep. Right, the little baby steps, right? What is that one little step you can take toward trust? Is kind of what I was here and there, and then help them through that step, and then take the next step, and then the next step, and and you know and i love that question i love that question that you posed. so yeah that's that's uh that's some good stuff and i think that that goes to all of it right i think that goes to all the different terms to kind of relearn the terms is that is that pretty much what's going on there
2: i think i think that's exactly what it is it's it's relearning the terms but there's also a different way to frame it i think as you're as you're relearning the terms and you're relearning the concept i think we need to look at it a little differently for many of us as we learn to embrace the gospel message of jesus christ it was it was a comparative analogy for us. So in other words, when, when we read that God is our father, that God loves us, that God uh, can be trusted, that, that God wants control of us, um, wants us to give him control, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with comparing um, God as my father to my earthly father because I had a good father. Now, obviously my father's not perfect, But I understand that, you know, God is using this analogy and, hey, that makes sense. You know, I had a good earthly father. God is my heavenly father. I can embrace that easily. I would suggest that for our adopted and foster teenagers, we look at the gospel not as a comparative analogy, but actually as a contrasting analogy. So as we look at these gospel words, these gospel concepts, we say, okay, here was your experience with, for example, love. Here on Earth, here's what you experience with love, and maybe kind of um, unpack a little bit what their uh, encounters with love have been over uh, over their lifetime. And then we say, okay, and now we're going to contrast that. We're not going to compare it. We're going to contrast that with what God is, and with how God is saying He's going to love you. And we look at passages like 1 Corinthians 13, which you know we typically think of as as wedding passages but they're not i mean this is really the agape love that that god is showing for us and we contrast that and we say this is god's way of loving you love is patient love is kind etc cetera, etc cetera, and here's what you experienced and you can go through the gospel with really all of those concepts here's here's where your trust has been broken here on earth let's contrast that with how god has never broken his trust uh, broken your trust same thing with, with family. Here is here is your uh, experience with what an earthly family looks like. Let's contrast that with what God is saying being part of his family looks like. So I think it's really just kind of reframing the gospel. We don't want to change the message because that's the message God gave us, and it's, and it's perfect, and it's great. But let's understand that for a lot of these kids, a comparative analogy is just not going to work for them. They're going to have to understand that what God
1: is offering is different. Absolutely, and I'm I'm glad you brought up kind of the family because I was that's what I was thinking about going to next. Just is the idea of to start really changing and, and reversing the cycles that of the, the brokenness that we have in our in our societies. It's really going to be teaching and then training up these kids who have broken families to understand, as you said, what God's family is and how that does inform what the godly gospel-driven earthly family looks like. Right. right. And you I can't just skip to that. Right. Right. Is that is that kind of what you're saying here? I I think you're right. You you like so much of what we're talking about today
2: there is a progression there is a journey it's not just a a quick fix so part of what we do to help a teenager understand what what being part of god's family is is to set an example of a good godly loving safe appropriate family here on earth and not that we're going to ever reach some kind of level of perfection in how we do our earthly families but at least to get them closer to a point where they say you know what i what my version of what a family was years ago is not my version of the family that I'm experiencing now. And now when God says I can be part of his family, I'm going to be more more apt to want
1: to embrace that. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I think that folks out there, what, what you're getting a taste of here is just the, they're not sound bites, but I think what Arthur does, what he's doing here and what he does in the DVD, which is what we're going to talk about now is really gives us these really i mean they are complex issues and simplifies them down to something that is bite-sized so you can actually live it out in those baby steps in those step-by-step things and and so you know with that could tell us about the dvd series you know it's called trusting the god of the gospel and it really are these short videos that are that i'm not gonna i'm gonna let you tell us the intended audience and everything but they're short videos that I think are so pointed and towards these issues toward drawing people as you as it says in the title trusting the God of the gospel so tell us you know what you mean by that what what you what you're looking to do through this series who the audience is and how you hope it will impact those who engage with it sure well one of the things
2: that that I discovered over and over and over again as a youth pastor is that these teenagers who come from hard places, who have come from trauma, uh, adopted, foster teenagers, they share a lot of the same barriers to embracing the gospel. And I found time and time again that that they were resistant to concepts like forgiveness or trust or love and, and a lot of the other things that we've already talked about here. And so I thought, well, how do we create something specifically for, with them in mind that presents the gospel to them in a way that they'll be able to embrace, or at least they'll be able to start embracing over time. And so we put this curriculum together. And like you said, it is, it's an eight-session video series called Trusting the God of the Gospel. We have it on DVD or digital download. Um, and it's really designed to help parents primarily to work with their adopted and foster teenagers on conversations about God, on conversations about faith and Jesus, and to be able to wrestle with the issues that these teenagers are facing in a way that is specifically addressing their trauma. So it's it's a it's a video series, but then it also comes with a downloadable PDF workbook that has uh, discussion questions, that has individual activities, that has uh, scripture memory verses, all centered around different gospel words and gospel concepts that have typically been barriers to teenagers that are coming from an adoptive or foster background
1: yeah i definitely recommend it i haven't been able to work through all of them but i watched several of the uh, different uh, modules or segments of the series and it's it's very very good and it really does set the table for some great conversations um, for you folks out there to have with your teens or other teens who you um, have in your life, um, but one of the things that we've talked a lot about today is is gospel. Is you know mm-hmm. it's the trusting the God of the gospel. We've talked about gospel, you know, driven family. We talk, we use this term right, gospel. Um, in our world today, people use gospel to mean so many things, sure. and and quite frankly, the world today doesn't like the idea of absolute truth. So what do you mean by gospel in this? Because I it's very, it is very important to define our terms, and maybe we should have done this earlier in the interview, but what do, you, what do you mean when you're talking about God of the gospel and in particular the gospel truth and what is the gospel?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good question because when we do talk about God, um, God can also have, have a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people, as can the word gospel. So uh, when I'm talking about the gospel, I really am talking about the biblical narrative of God restoring his creation back to himself. And it, it starts at the beginning um, in the book of Genesis, goes right on through the book of Revelation, and and still is being living out, is being lived out even here today. We are living out the gospel of uh, as, as the church. Um, and the gospel is completely centered around Jesus. He is the central figure of the gospel. It's because of him specifically Uh, that we are able to to have our eternity in um with with our heavenly father and so when i talk about the gospel that's that's what i'm talking about that's the god that we want our adopted and foster teenagers to embrace
1: through jesus christ absolutely absolutely so what um tell us about your podcast You've you've started a podcast uh, as well, and I believe it has the same name. Am I, am I right on that? It does. Testing the God the Gospel. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so, so tell us about the podcast. Yeah,
2: that's been that's been so, uh, a lot of fun. It's something that uh, my wife and I do together. We when we came out with the curriculum, um, it's the kind of thing where we we kind of we put it out, and then it it goes out to whoever wants it, and then they. They kind of do it in their own home or, or whatever the setting is. The podcast allows us to kind of discuss it uh, in a little bit of a different way, in a little bit more of an interactive way. And so it is based on the curriculum. The podcast is based on the curriculum. But we get to kind of dive maybe a little deeper or, or add some new thoughts on how do we help our teenagers embrace the gospel? And what are some of those words, those concepts that are difficult for um, for adoptive and foster teenagers to embrace. And so each week uh, that we release the podcast, we look at a different gospel word or gospel concept, and we kind of unpack it. And we, we ask ourselves the question, why would it be difficult for an adopted or foster teenager to even embrace this word or this concept? And how could we begin helping them Uh, embrace that concept and sometimes it's it's uh, we try to give some pretty specific strategies for uh, here is something something you can do Uh, in fact one of our uh, episodes we just recorded was on forgiveness and uh, obviously forgiveness can be real 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 difficult concept well honestly for any of us but especially if you have a, a long list of people in your life who have harmed you severely that you mm-hmm. kind of need to forgive at some point in your life. So we talk about how can we help? Um, how can we help these kids get to a point where they can begin for- forgiving the people that they need to forgive? And that's a long journey. That's not a you know that's not a listen to a podcast and then go forgive everyone. That's that's going to take some time. That's right. But the podcast is is really for the. The parents as well, so it's not it's not necessarily designed that an adoptive or foster teenager would listen to the podcast It's really more that a parent who is interested in engaging their teenager in a discussion about God and the gospel would listen to this and hopefully find from the
1: podcast tools to help them be able to go and speak to their teenager right absolutely now did you start that uh Podcast on forgiveness by forget asking for forgiveness from your wife for all the things you did before the podcast. It's it's funny we
2: did uh, uh, we did my wife did tell a story of some areas in our own home that uh, uh, that there <laughs> needs to be some forgiveness on. But uh, <laughs> anyone who wants to hear that story, Were you they aware can, of those things yeah, before. Yeah,
1: it had. Were you aware of those things before the podcast? I, I yeah. think
2: so. I think for the most part, I don't think any. <laughs> I don't think any new revelations came out that. Uh, um, but uh, one of our one of our upcoming episodes is on on a control, and if I'm just you know, this is a safe place, Phil. If I'm just being honest here, uh, of control. Course, of course, it's just <laughs> it's me. And just you. me and no one else one's, is listening. No one's listening. Um, Control was always one of those things that I struggled with. And it was only up until recent years that I started getting a better uh, <laughs> start getting control over my control issues. Right. Um, so uh, there's <laughs> there's almost a, an irony in in uh, now here a couple years later being able to talk about um, control or or giving
1: up control absolutely well often what we talk about and what we teach on the most are things we're struggling with ourselves yes. so that's something that is since God how God works in us I'm I have no doubt when I typically when I preach a sermon I'm like this is amazing and I'm applying it every day I'm prepping the sermon yeah. so um so you know there's so much more we could talk about but you know what we we do have to bring it to a close sure. um and you know as you know just you know listen to the podcast in the past you know we have a couple questions we ask everyone and and the the first one is what have you read, watched, or listened to that has most impacted your thinking on how we can love uh, orphan and vulnerable children with excellence.
2: Okay, so I knew this I knew this one was coming because this is this is our this is the closer of the, the Think Orphan podcast. That's so I right. knew I That's knew right. it was coming. This... And and I struggled whether or not to mention these first two because it I'll be honest, it's kinda it's kinda stereotypical. It's probably been mentioned a, a thousand times on the podcast and, and most people involved in in orphan care are have read or at least are familiar with these first two books. But when it comes to understanding uh, the mind of a child or a teenager, and then how we respond to that, I, I still look at uh, the whole brain child and the connected child. Mm-hmm. I think those two books, which, which is interesting because they weren't even necessarily written uh, in an orphan care context, but they fit so specifically in, in how we Work with these how we understand and work with these orphan and vulnerable children. Um, so, uh, whole-brain child and connected child. But then there's there were a couple others. The have you ever seen the uh, the removed uh, film uh, short film trilogy uh, about the, the okay yeah. about the the girl in in foster care? Boy, I tell you what, if you if you want to just have honestly have a little bit of a, a tearjerker, and uh, and maybe maybe develop a little bit more empathy for what these kids are going through maybe you're whether you're a, a social worker or a, a casa or a parent or whatever and, and maybe sometimes it's easy to feel like get a little hardened toward the the plight of the orphan um, boy watching the the removed short film series is uh, um, I think will give you some of that uh, some of that empathy back and it's available uh, I, th- I think you can watch them free right on YouTube uh, just uh, just watch just uh, search for removed. Um, a film series. I think you'll find it pretty quickly, and then I uh, the last one. Uh, this may or may not be for everyone, but I I kind of wanted to put a shout out there. Uh, last spring, I went out went through KFO's uh, uh, OVC Essentials course, Orphan and Vulnerable Children's mm. course, and uh, boy, I tell you what, that was uh, that was about a ten week course, give or take. I don't remember exactly how long it was, and boy, that that just that just dives into the whole kind of orphan care umbrella from global orphan care to right here in the United States to adoption to foster care and uh, really give gave me some new perspectives on how I think about uh, orphan uh, care and uh, um, and orphan excellence so boy and as a former youth pastor really got me thinking about how we uh, how we did short-term missions trips to uh, orphan and vulnerable children in other countries so uh, definitely got me rethinking some of the things that I had done in the past
1: yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I have not been through that course. I know that a couple of these podcasts are in that course, and I think maybe a chapter out of the book that we were able to put together or something. But uh, on that note, I'm, I I know Rick will be really disappointed that you didn't have Orphanology as one of those two seminal books for you. But, you know, that that's okay. He's, he's getting over it. He keeps talking about doing like a revised version and maybe... Maybe that will make it into okay. your list then. But you know, you know, we we can't do everything for for Rick. But we try, we try, we try to serve. Well, how many how um, many people
2: typically say uh, orphan excellence is on their uh, is
1: is that uh, no, it, only in jest. Okay, oh, okay, only in jest. Okay. You know, so you know, but that's okay. That's okay because you know, we we are very we're very confident in in who God made us. Sure. To be. so that's good, that's good um but no those are fantastic and it, it's somewhere out there karen hutchinson right now mm-hmm. is smiling because you said whole brain child um and dan siegel and you know sure. obviously hopefully one day we'll get him on because yeah a lot of people have talked about his books are fantastic so yeah those are the remove series actually i use that every time we teach on foster care at my Great. class i we watch we typically watch the first one and then i tell them about the other two just for s- sake of time but um yeah they're yeah. fantastic and so I well done I do tear up every single time as i'm watching in the back of the uh of the classroom yeah so um great great stuff so the last question as you know what one person has impacted your thinking on how we can love orphan and vulnerable children with excellence
2: yeah i gave this one some thought because i i knew this was was coming as well and i i went back to the basics um I'm sure this idea is not original to him but he's kind of coined it as his his mantra the last couple years and and coming from Jason Johnson where everyone can do something and as we think about Mm -hmm. orphan care everyone can do something and I I think we kind of For a long time we thought well orphan care is adoption and foster care and that's about it and if you're not able or willing to do one of those two things you can't really do orphan care and nothing could be further from the truth and and jason's whole thing right now is you know what everyone can do something i don't i don't care who you are i don't care how big or how small it is you can do something um to fulfill god's command that we see through scripture over and over and over and over again uh, to take care of uh, take care of the orphan children. So I think that's that's something that I hear in my head quite a bit. Um, everyone can do something. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Jason Johnson isn't a bad dude to uh, be inspired by. Yeah. So um, you know, if you don't know about Jason, folks out there, he did a podcast interview as well on this podcast. Has done several others, and his books are fantastic. Sure. So if you haven't heard about him, uh, learn about yeah. him. He's a great guy. So thank you so much, Arthur. This has been fantastic. I, I have a feeling this will be the first of many conversations that we have, and uh, I look forward to those future ones. Yeah, this was great. I really appreciate it, Phil. Well thanks again, Arthur, for just sharing your wisdom, what you've been learning, and what you're just able to what you've been able to put together through the DVD series, through the podcast. And I just get excited to think about what God's going to continue doing. In and through you, as you continue to just really engage this space. So, Rick, what what you think about the interview?
0: Man, I Arthur and I. First of all, I think like we're, we've never met, and we need to be friends because because bro, this this guy is is so on uh, the the themes of discipleship with with kids in general, kids uh, you know, kids that are coming from hard places uh, he, he really has a great grasp on that. I I love the fact, you know, being a, a former youth ministry professor, um, the idea that, that he's coming with a youth ministry background and, and really has that, um, you know, that flavor of understanding discipleship with teenagers that are growing and they're growing in their ability to, to think and to think abstractly and to think hypothetically and, and like what all that means. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, this is a, this is a huge part of my heart. Last year, I I led a session at CAFO in uh, discipling kids, you know, from hard places. And and it's something we do and, and, and we train our adoptive families and our foster families in, you know, in that. And so that's, that's a big heartbeat of, of my ministry as well. I, I think, you know, one of the things that I, that I, that I think he, you know, he kind of led up to in the conversation is just realizing, and I, I would want to say to those people that are adoptive parents or, or are in the process of adopting or those folks that are, that are fostering and, and you're bringing a child in who, who is coming from a hard place or has a hard aspect to their story, that many times we're asked to do things along the way as a parent That are um, that seem crazy, you know, like in in applying uh, TBRI and and trauma informed care principles to parenting. And so we're being asked to stretch ourselves and to do things that are that are not natural and not normal. There we're being asked to parent in a way that we weren't parented, and and really and and I think sometimes there there seems to be a bit of. Um, eye rolling on the part of parents who, who hear that and see that, but don't, but don't really understand the, the, the dramatic value of that. And what, what I say over and over to, you know, to, to families is, as we're you know, training and talking about this is that you have to see your building of bonding and attachment, and and your remediation of those things that didn't happen early to build a bond and to b- build a secure attachment in the life of your child. That that when you're doing that, you're not just trying to 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 create a an atmosphere that'll allow a child to be you know well adjusted or help them to get a good job or to live successfully as you know, as an adult or all those things are important, but they're not nearly as important as this is a high-stakes spiritual enterprise. And, and there, you know, we're, we're even now beginning to see research out there that, that really connects this idea of um, having a a secure attachment and and your attachment style being securely attached is, is highly positively correlated with um, with a with a a healthy relationship with God, and so as you know, as people are asked to self-report about their you know their understanding and their comfort in their relationship with God, and and asked to, to comment on their own discipleship, researchers have noticed that that the more securely attached you are, and so you know what that says is that 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 with my kids with your kids that that even as imperfect as we are as fathers when when our kids learn to trust us, when they learn to trust their moms, and 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 they learn to relax and and to to know that we have their best at heart and we're going to work for their best because they're securely attached to us, that that's going to transfer to their relationship with God. And and God has this thing rigged right, like that's the that's the design of what family and child rearing is supposed to create. Um, and, and so I just I love the fact that, you know, that Arthur is equipping and and giving families tools, you know, to, to be able to do this work. And so I look forward to, you know, delving into more of his work and entering into conversation because because I think he's hitting on some, you know, some really important things. I, it was also great to hear him um you know, really articulate the gospel. And you and I've talked mm-hmm. about that on on the show a bunch. Yep, and yep. and that many times, you know, when we say gospel, we're using different words to mean, you know, the same thing. Yeah. Or, or or the, the same the word, yeah. Different things. Yep, yep. Yeah. And and that, you know, but but that he's he's talking about the idea that no family is the crucible in in which we're trying to help our children to know, you know, God's heart for redemption and God's story for redemption and, and the work of Jesus and, and how, how their story, um, you know, ultimately connects with God's big story that's unfolded through the scriptures and, you know, where Jesus is the hero. And, and, and this idea that there is, there is something bigger to our parenting uh, and that bigger thing is that we're trying to lead our kids, you know, toward Jesus. And so I was, I was incredibly, incredibly um, thrilled, impressed, and 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 just you know very, very, uh, very, very grateful for the things that he brought to us in this interview.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I agree with all that. And, and, you know, one of the things I know that you'll, you imagine when he was talking about it, you were like, yes, yes, definitely. And you've probably experienced it in your own life and your parenting with your, with your children. Um, but to talk about the relearning of the terms and the reframing of concepts, you know, certain concepts like father, you know, God is our father, give God control, right? Like those things as you said when they don't go through that proper attachment when they aren't able to have that you know um kind of rubric in their mind to go back and put it into this context to say oh that is what a amazing father looks like you know or even a father looks like in some of these they don't have that context right right? and so as he said you know that's not something that happens overnight either right it's baby steps it's it's to continue to relearn and to teach and to train up in these words that you know we often as you said like i who have never raised a child from that background i don't know i don't even think about doing that you don't know what you don't know right so right. to even just help to understand those things and then the the understanding that it's a need first then the how to and i know that as you go through and have these conversations, it's not going to answer every question, but it's going to kind of give this this template, so to speak, to be able to use in these different things. And just to understand that when your child is looking at you with a blank stare sometimes, it, it very well could be that they just flat out don't understand the word that you're saying. You know, sometimes right. like I do with you, Rick, when you use a big word with me, I just have to understand that, you know <laughs> what, I, I, I have to, I have to not relearn, I have to learn that term, you know, so that's cool, you know, I you fake said Crucible, you, it, you said Crucible, just I thought you were talking you about a play. But I, then I realized, no, he's talking about something else. But you know, anyway, folks out there, if you're with me, then you know we can hang out at KFO, and Rick can go with smart, super smart people and talk about all these big words. But that's cool. Um, no, but in all seriousness, hey, so though, I think me- you know, going back to that, I just want to talk to you, yeah. hear from you on that, and particularly in your experiences.
0: Yeah, well, and i'll I'll throw out a I'll throw out an example that that you kind of made me think of when you were when you were kind of talking about that. That you know, one of the things I think sometimes when when we're particularly as we're adopting older kids and and kids that you know that their their trauma it's not prenatal trauma it's not early trauma they don't remember but it's it's you know experiences that are very fresh and very real to them and and very much a part of their you know their consciousness. Um, that you know I, I we hear sometimes these stories of people that are they're fostering or they've you know they brought a child into their home through adoption and and they're like freaked out because they're, this this child that they're that they're you know beginning to try to integrate into their family and parenting has like a preoccupation with evil. Like there's Mm. a, and, and they, you know, and they, and they really like legitimately, I'm not joking. I mean, I, I wish I had a dime for every, you know, phone call I've had with people that have said things like, you know, I, like, I think my, I think my kid might be demon possessed. You know, like, Mm. I think there's like, I think there's something dark and, and, and certainly I don't want to discount the spiritual aspect of that. And I, and I believe that that's real, but I also think that You know, you can't you can't discount the fact that that for many of these kids, um, bad and evil and disappointing are the only things that have been consistent that they've been able to count on for their whole lives. Right. And so we're bringing them into a context where where we're you know where we're putting it in front of them you know good and safe and secure and predictable and and they've never known anything that was predictable except everything turning out poorly and 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 everything being slanted against them and and that they have the need to have to try to protect themselves because nobody else is going to protect them and that may be a conscious thought or it may be an underlying you know just kind of of way that they've learned to operate and way that their brains have become wired as you know as a result of trauma but but what we have to to learn is that you know, this is where we, um, you know, where we really have to apply and say, like, we've we've not been given the spirit of fear. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we, you know, that 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 Christ is, um, th- that His work is. A, a, you know, has placed us in the position of being overcomers and and that evil will not, darkness will not overcome the light. And those aren't just platitudes that are, you know, that are placed in the scripture to, to be a bumper sticker. Those are promises to be, you know, to be claimed and kept. But that, but that we, in the way that we're parenting, in the way that we're displaying the gospel, in the simple things that we're doing with our kids, that we're doing over and over and over again, even when they're not really responding to us, yeah. even when they're responding poorly or or even when they're rebelling against those things, the consistency of that and, and, and bringing that, you know, into their lives is, you know, is so dramatically important. And, and so I, I think that, you know, one of the things that, that I appreciate about what Arthur says and I, I appreciate about the things that he's created, you know, that they lead us to is that that many of the things are just very simple things mm-hmm. um, that you just, but, but, but they're simple things that you have to do consistently even when you don't see an immediate payback or you don't see an immediate payoff. Right. Um, and, and, and truly, you know, it's, we have to realize what we're, you know, what we're fighting against and what we're fighting against is um, consistency in, in, in the negative and in the wrong way and in the trauma. And, and, it, and it takes time and it takes intentionality um, to fill into that. And, and family is ultimately the, the exact right context for kids to be in in order for us to be able to do that.
1: Right. Oh man, I would so love to talk for so much longer about all these things, but uh we're kind of coming to the end of our uh our time allotted for this episode. So, um you know, we could talk on and on about these things as as Rick and I have already talked about that we could talk forever on on this interview because it does bring up so many different things. And the good news is this isn't our last episode. Um and we will continue talking about these issues as we continue um, through these different uh, people that were that we're talking with, because these issues keep coming up and keep coming up. And one of the things that you said there was, you know, this is this is slow process, right? I mean, this isn't something that happens overnight. And I think that that's so important for us to remember about all this work that we're doing for for every. These are children. I mean, in parenting. Parenting a biological child is not something that happens overnight. Parenting a right. child from hard places is not something from ha- happens overnight. You know, doing family strengthening work, doing poverty alleviation, doing anti-trafficking work—it's not a one, you know, a, a little silver bullet that we're going to do and everything's going to be solved and sweet. Now we can go on our merry way. This is something that we're going to be working with, and it's—it's it's, sometimes it's just sludging through. You know, most time it's like that, quite frankly. And then we get wins and we get victories and we celebrate and we rejoice. Um, But, you know, it's continuing the battle, right? And that's what I hope we can help each other do through this, through our conversations and, you know, just really challenging ourselves to understand these things better, um, you know, every time we engage them. So so with that, we're going to come on in to the... Dr. Rick and Phil recommend segment, which I know every one of you out there has just been waiting for the whole episode. So, um, Rick, you got something for us today, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. And I think it really kind of nicely dovetails with what you just said, you know, about this idea that, um, that, that as we're ministering to kids that are coming from hard places, we, it is a, it is a long haul consistency kind of thing. And, and one of the things that we have to have to be aware of and try to, try to help ourselves in is 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 feeding into that need for encouragement, that need for refreshment and and really just finding those times with God that we're able to to dive deeply into him and into the gospel and because that's our that's ultimately our resource. And so I I have one today that I really want to recommend. Paul David Tripp, obviously, you know, somebody who we both um, love and respect, and have benefited from, uh, you know, his his work and, and his his speaking and his writing. Um, New Morning Mercies is one of those devotionals that you know, like everybody has read. If you haven't, go grab a copy of it and start spending your mornings there. It's it's a great um, it's a great place to to begin your day. But I want to want to recommend another book that he's put out this last year called My Heart Cries Out. Uh, and the subtitle is Gospel Meditations for Everyday Life. And, and essentially, these are just um, personal gospel reflections, kind of the overflow of the same sort of themes that you see in New Morning Mercies, um, but they're written in, in verse form. And and Phil, I'll be honest with you. This is probably going to shock you. I'm not exactly a poetry kind of guy. That does um, shock me. That does shock me. Yeah, you know, I I'm not I'm not really given usually to reading much poetry. Mm-hmm. But I've really found this to be really refreshing and and really mm-hmm. helpful. And and so there are you know there are just a lot of short. Reflections that are grounded in the Scriptures and and grounded in you know in in good reality of 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 good theology and who God is, but but they but they really help to set uh, you know set the mind and the soul um, in in a in a good place to to remember the gospel and you know that thing that Spurgeon or whoever it was that said it that you know we're to preach the gospel to to ourselves every day. Um, like this is one of those really good tools to help you really preach the gospel to yourself every day.
1: Yeah. No, I can't wait to, to grab that. I, I, as you folks know who have kind of listened to to this podcast, uh, for a while, you know that we had, uh, Paul David Tripp on the show and that was, that was one of my, uh, one of my interviews that I just, I just loved doing, learned a ton from it, love listening to it. We actually recast it. Um, as well and it's one of the most uh, downloaded episodes out there too so if you haven't heard it, or even if you heard it go back and listen again we talk about new morning mercies in there we talk about just how God has, uh, is working through him and the different thing themes in his life that just keep coming back to him and uh, are fortunately he's putting down on paper for us to be able to uh, engage with him so Definitely encourage you to, to check out uh, Dr. Tripp's work. And the, the recommendation that I have is, is, is totally different um, from that recommendation. It's actually a movie. It's not, um, it's not something that is going to be a devotional. But um, it is a fun movie that I thought brought up some really interesting um, things for us to think about, particularly in our celebrity-driven culture out there. Um, the movie is Yesterday. It's about a guy who basically there's this worldwide thing that happens and everyone forgets the Beatles and this guy doesn't. And so he's a songwriter and he ends up writing Beatles songs. And that's kind of the beginning of the movie and what happens with that and the things that it brings up in his mind. He gets to instant stardom and the things that that brings that you wouldn't necessarily think about. And it made, it really made me think of guys like Jim Carrey who said, I wouldn't wish fame upon anyone. And, you know, to really understand why and what that might look like and then just to see what would have happened if the Beatles never happened. And and it's just interesting. Really, it was an interesting take on it. It was a fun movie, but it also had some depth to it. So I recommend that. And it's fun, fun music, you know, and... Um, and uh, there's, some, there's some cameos and other things in it that are, that are kind of fun as well. So with that, folks, you know we're going we're gonna to sign off for another episode here. And I do, as always, I pray that you take all that you're learning um, through this podcast, through the other reading that you're doing, through the life experiences you're having, through your conversation. You take all of it and you help it to help you to know how to love orphaned and vulnerable children better and better each and every day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week.